This is a production of the U.S. Department of Energy Joint Genome Institute, the JGI. Let's begin this episode with a bit of a trip to collect some microbe samples. And this journey takes us to a pretty remote place. We're headed to the southern side of Antarctica, directly south of New Zealand, to an area called Victoria Land. There's a mountain range that starts here and runs through the continent. It's called the Trans-Antarctic Mountains. And that is one place where these microbes live. So we've got to get over to those mountains from a research base. And now it gets a little loud. The only way to reach those mountains is by helicopter. And once you land, it's windy for one thing. For another, it's uh, cold, full of snow. Laura Selbman is the researcher who collects these kinds of samples. She works in a head-to-toe bright red snowsuit, complete with goggles, because it's well below freezing. And the Antarctic landscape looks mostly empty and white. Snow covers nearly every surface in sight, but a few sandstone rocks peek out. And that's where we'll find what we're after, inside those rocks. So it takes a few more tools to collect these samples. A careful chisel opens up a whole little ecosystem inside these rocks. Just below the rock surface, you see this blackish, this blackish uh, band. It's a little black squiggle running through the inside of the rock. You might mistake it for a different layer of rock or even just a smudge of dark dirt. But that is where the microbes are. So Laura gathers the rock bits up in a plastic bag to bring back to the lab. Even in this unlikely place, these are microbes that are surviving. The Department of Energy's Joint Genome Institute. It took the resources from JGI to make this possible. Innovation in the field of genomics. How living things transform our world. world, world. This is Genome Insider, where we tag along with JGI-supported researchers who are studying all kinds of things and see how their work could advance clean energy and protect our environment. I'm your host, Mainiko Wilhelm. And today, we've started off on the kind of sampling journey that Laura Selman makes. She's based at the University of Tuscia in Italy, studying botany and mycology, and specifically, these microbes that can exist in extreme environments, like Antarctica, as Laura can tell you. The cold is something that you can expect. But uh, believe me, the main problem is the wind. Because if you don't have wind, even if you are at minus 30, for instance... That's Celsius, so about minus 20 Fahrenheit. You can work because the climate is very dry, very dry. That still sounds very cold, even without wind. But that dry climate is another key to what makes these Antarctic microbes so interesting. It's not just that they weather extremely cold temperatures. They also live with very little water. Because below freezing, there's not much water around. It's essentially all locked away in ice and snow. And still, these microbes persist. And not only do they persist, they operate as a little microbial community, even with very few of the basic ingredients for an ecosystem. Within that community, you find all kinds of microbes. Algae, cyanobacteria, bacteria, viruses. But there's one kind of microbe, a fungus, that stands out. It's what Laura pointed out when she found that black squiggle inside the Antarctic rock. 
that black color, is also where these fungi get their name. Black fungi are really the excellence in the streams. These fungi stand out for their ability to break things down and make new chemicals. Similar to how forest fungi, like mushrooms, grow on decomposing trees and return nutrients to the forest floor, these microscopic black fungi can do similar recycling, just at a teeny tiny scale. So they guarantee carbon, nitrogen cycles even in these remote environments where few organisms can survive. And understanding how these fungi pull that off could eventually be useful for other organisms around the world, especially as climate change makes more places hotter and drier. So to understand how these fungi can bravely cycle on despite a very barren environment, Laura is taking a look at their genomes. She's looking beyond Antarctica, because, as you might imagine, these hardy black fungi also live in plenty of other harsh places around the world. From Joshua Tree National Park in Southern California to Nepal's Himalayan mountains, in contaminated places like the super-acidic heavy-metal-laden Rio Tinto in Spain, and at nuclear waste sites like the remains of the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. Even in the cracks of marble monuments, where these fungi survive on the nutrients that are provided in air pollution. For these little black fungi, what a track record. They're ready to face high levels of salt, super low water, extreme temperatures, both high and low, chemical and nuclear contamination, and access to almost no nutrients. So Laura wants to know which genes let them survive all of that. She's partnered with the JGI to sequence and analyze these fungal genomes. And she's also working with 19 other research groups from around the world. They've picked fungi from all kinds of places, including many of the harshest environments that nature has to offer. And they'll sequence lots of samples to build reference genomes. They'll do that for 92 forms of black fungi in total, along with smaller studies of hundreds of other species. And there's a reason the JGI is interested in so many different kinds of black fungi. Despite their shared name and hardiness, these organisms aren't all the same. Far from it. These organisms are phylogenetically totally unrelated because we find black fungi, general definition, in the whole fungal tree of life. So these fungi are all different. They've all evolved along different paths. But if you look at them at the microscope, they look like almost uh, the same. They grow in similar patterns. Sort of cauliflower colonies, so grows in all directions. But mainly, they've got that coloring in common. All of them are black. And that's probably key for their hardiness. Because even after evolving separately, all of these black fungi get their color from the same molecule, melanin. It's the same kind of pigment that colors our skin, but not exactly the same molecule. And Laura is particularly interested in how these fungi make and maintain this melanin, the molecule that brings them all together. Melanin may even be interesting in ways we don't understand yet, but here's one place we know it's working to black fungi's advantage. In nuclear waste sites, black fungi and anything else around gets hit with something called ionizing radiation, which for most living things, is a real threat. But for black fungi, melanin provides a shield. In fact, because of that melanin, black fungi can even absorb the radiation's energy, process it, and use that energy themselves. 
what is uh, normally dangerous and uh, what is uh, normally harmful to life, ionizing radiation can be converted by this organism in something that allows them to enhance growth. So one day, black fungi might actually help us break down this kind of waste too. Because not only can these microbes withstand this radiation, they use it to thrive, thanks to that melanin. And that's just one way that they're world-class survivors. From their DNA, their genomes, we have a lot more to learn about how they live their very extreme lives. For now, we don't have the awareness of exactly what are the abilities, the genomic abilities of these organisms. What is into the genomes that make them so special in these streams? And of course, to answer that question, you've got to take a look at a lot of fungal DNA, which is where the JGI comes in. First, with sequencing, and then assembling and annotating those genomes. Lauer and her team will also be testing RNA and compounds these fungi make in transcriptomics and metabolomics experiments to learn even more about these fungi. But there are a few challenges to doing that work, because many of the same traits that make black fungi super rugged also make these microbes tough to handle in test tubes. We'll get into that after the break. First, it's time to guess a JGI acronym, because we've got a lot of them. And the question is, how guessable are they? Today, I'll be quizzing Amber Galini. So, before we get to our acronym, what do you do at the JGI, Amber? I'm a research associate in Trent Northern's Metabolomics Lab. I work on sample processing and preparation for metabolomics research. Cool. And what does that entail? So my main tasks are to prepare, extract, and process samples to be run on our instrumentation systems. So this involves setting up and operating the instruments, troubleshooting and calibrating the systems, as well as monitoring the sample runs to make sure the data is collected properly. Excellent. Well, we've got a great acronym for you to guess today. It's IMG. So IMG. And here are your options. Does IMG stand for 1. Integrated Microbial Genomes 2. International Miscanthus Group. Three, investigating mutant grass. Or four, identification of microalgae genetics. Do you think it's one, two, three, or four? I'm going to go with one on this one. Nice. Let's hear from our revealer. Hi, Vedika. I'm Reka, and I'm a computational biologist at the Joint Genome Institute. So IMG stands for Integrated Microbial Genomes. Great work. You guessed correctly. So Integrated Microbial Genomes is a data portal that anyone can access online. Had you heard of it before? Um, I actually have not. <laughs> wow. Well, an even better guess then. And here's a bit more about that project from Reka Sashadri. So we have a whole collection of bacterial and archaeal isolate genomes. We have environmental samples, you know, metagenomic sequences, single cells, and so you can gain access, you can do smart searches against all of that data. And then once you find the data that you're interested in, you can ask biological questions and answer them. And you can find that Integrated Microbial Genomes database on our website at img.jgi.doe.gov. We'll link to it in the show notes too, but that's img.jgi.doe.gov.
Before we get back to the black fungi, a bit more about the nuts and bolts of this project. This work on black fungi is specifically called Shed Light in the Dark Lineages of the Fungal Tree of Life, shortened to stress. And the JGI supports it via the Community Science Program, where we accept new projects every year. You can find out more about that program and how to submit your own proposal at our website. There's a link in the show notes. Okay, now back to the black fungi. As a quick recap, these fungi are interesting because they're resilient. In the face of dry conditions and super hot or cold temperatures, even contamination. If you can think of a harsh environment, there's probably black fungi happily going about their life there. And these fungi are black because of melanin pigments. These pigments seem to be part of the recipe of what's making these fungi so tough. But there's lots more to find out. So Laura Seldman and her collaborators are heading to different sites around the world, collecting bits of rock and other samples with black fungi, and bringing them back to the lab. This is where things get a bit tricky. A black fungus is prepared to survive many difficulties, as we've established. However, cooperating in the tame, fluorescent environment of microbiology research requires a totally different skill set. Black fungi have all kinds of traits that help them in life, not in lab. But Laura and her team need these fungi to cooperate to get at their genomes. These teams are careful to collect small samples from these delicate environments, but genetic sequencing only works accurately if you have enough DNA for machines to read. So before sequencing, they have to get these wild black fungi to grow. Claudia Colen is a postdoc who works with Laura. She told me how this starts from a powdered rock sample. The first thing we do is spread the powdered rocks on a plate uh, composed of maltextract agar. That agar provides nutrients for the fungus to grow, which it does on its own terms. Here's Laura again. One of the main challenges to work with these organisms is that they are very, very slow-growing, incredibly slow-growing. Growth requires nutrients and water, both of which are in short supply in this fungus's usual life. So growing extremely slowly is a useful adaptation for extreme conditions, where the supply budget is tight. But this also means it's very hard to coax these fungi onto a research timeline. Some Antarctic species take uh, around three or four months to get uh, a good quantity of biomass to, for DNA extraction. And once there is enough fungi grown, there's another obstacle standing between these researchers and these fungal genomes. Because again, they're evolved for extremes, not experiments. Black fungi have a cell wall protecting each of their cells that's quite thick and tough because of the melanin inside. So it's difficult to break open those cells to separate out their DNA. And this, of course, uh, affects the procedures to get a good amount of DNA and DNA of good quality. So Laura and Claudia, along with other collaborators, have been testing lots of ways to separate out that DNA and working with the JGI to be sure there are samples that work for all of the sequencing processes. Moreover, JGI will help us to perform, if needed, the species-specific DNA or RNA extraction protocols. Because there are lots of species to sequence. As this project goes on, they're taking a look at black fungi from all over the planet. 
One aim of the project is to compare Antarctica with the hot desert and see the, the microbial community composition is shared or is very different according to the different conditions, according to the geography and different environmental conditions. Claudia's sense is that some fungal species may be able to exist across many different desert conditions, kind of a core group of desert weathering fungi. But I also expect to find uh, different community composition across deserts, especially according to the water conditions. And maybe most importantly, this project will survey black fungi broadly enough to get a real sense of lots of different species. With this project, JGI will help us to increase, to expand the catalog, uh, the catalog of uh, black fungi genomes of more than 600 genomes. So this project will give us a look at the survival traits from hundreds of species in many different environments. And across all of these fungi, more genomic information will help us understand where those traits come from. With all of their experience in harsh environments, black fungi might have a lot to teach all of the other life forms living in cushier places on our planet. That wraps up this journey to the center of these Antarctic rocks. We'll be back in a month we'll cover something closer to the JGI itself, a tour of how samples go from shipments to genetic sequences. This episode was written and produced by me, Manika Wilhelm, with production help from Massey Ballin, Allison Joy, and Ashley Papp. Many thanks to Laura Selbman, Claudia Colen, and the Italian National Program for Antarctic Research, funded by the Italian Ministry of University and Research. If you like this episode, help someone else find it, Tell them about it, send a link over, or leave us a review wherever you're listening to the show. Genome Insider is a production of the Joint Genome Institute, a user facility of the U.S. Department of Energy Office of Science, located at Lawrence Berkeley National Lab in Berkeley, California. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Bye.